Welcome to Sermons from Bailey Road. You are about to hear a sermon given at Bailey Road Baptist Church. Bailey Road is a small Bible-believing church located in North Jackson, Ohio, and is pastored by Pastor Aaron Smith. We are dedicated to serving the Lord through our people and through our teaching. We hope you are enlightened by today's message, and again, welcome to Bailey Road Baptist Church. Take your Bibles this morning and look with me to the book of Galatians. Galatians chapter number 3 is where we're going to be at. Galatians chapter number 3. Over the last couple of weeks, we've been looking at the book of Galatians. The first two chapters, we've seen the necessity of fighting for the gospel. That seems to be the central thought throughout this book. And as we begin to look at chapter number 3 this morning, we see that the fight for the gospel is still on. It's still the pointed theme in chapter number 3. And Paul starts off pretty strong in this third chapter. Maybe a little stronger than what you and I would be comfortable with, but he starts off with the phrase, Oh, foolish Galatians. I want you to put yourself in that position for a moment, if you would. If you were the one sitting down reading this letter and it was given to you to read and to take heed to, and you saw this first phrase here, Oh, foolish, and then fill in your name. Yeah. Now, first of all, I can identify with this phrase. I don't know if you can or not, but I certainly can. I've been foolish in my day, in my time, even this week some. But he says, O foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you, that ye should not obey the truth, before whose eyes Jesus Christ hath been evidently set forth, crucified among you? This only would I learn of you, receive ye the Spirit by the works of the law, or by hearing of faith. Then he says again in verse 3, Are ye so foolish? Having begun in the Spirit, are ye now made perfect by the flesh? Have ye suffered so many things in vain, if it be yet in vain? He therefore that ministereth to you the Spirit, worketh miracles among you, Doeth he it by the works of the law, by the hearing of faith? Even as Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Know ye therefore that they which are of faith, the same are the children of Abraham. And the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith, preached before the gospel unto Abraham, saying, In thee shall all nations be blessed. So then they which be of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham. We'll stop there for sake of time this morning. I want to preach a message from Galatians chapter 3 entitled, The Faith of the Gospel. The Faith of the gospel. Let's pray this morning 
And we'll jump right into this. Our Heavenly Father, I thank You. I thank You for Your goodness to us. God, I thank You that You have given us passages such as this. Passages that are direct. Verses that convict. And passages that explain not just who You are, but what You have done in and through our lives. Father, I pray this morning as we examine these verses, as we explore what You have given to us, God, I pray that You would instill within us the necessary understanding of what it means to fight for the Gospel, to have faith in Your Son, Jesus Christ. God, in our heaviness, we need You. We need you now, this time. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. The first thing I would like you to see this morning is the interference of their faith. As the Apostle Paul begins here in verse number 1 of this third chapter by saying again, O foolish Galatians, he says, Who hath bewitched you? That idea of bewitched means to deceive or to mislead or to charm and fascinate. This idea that someone had come in and began to teach some false doctrine to this church of Galatia. As they are there, they're they're learning, and we learned last week that uh, learning was important to this church. Learning new things was important. But we have this outside influence. And this kind of reminds me a little bit of uh, sometimes children. Children believe the sometimes the most outrageous things. They And sometimes it's based upon who's saying it. But uh, if you have children, you know that uh, there are times when they come home and they say something that is just so off the wall that you ask them the question, who told you that? I mean, you know what I'm talking about. Who told you that? Who in the world was told you that? And why were you so smart to understand that or believe that, right? Is that what we say? No, that's not usually what we say. We usually say, well, that's dumb. Why would you believe that? That's not the truth. And that's really what Paul is getting here as he's getting into this outside influence. He's saying, someone came into you and lied and you believed it. You believed a lie. Now again, we live in a society and we live in a day and age where lies and untruths are very prevalent. We've, I'm finding it very difficult today uh, to find the truth in our society. Everyone wants to be first. Everyone wants to be uh, a, a trendsetter, so to speak, of those who, well, I, I found this truth and I found this, and, and they'll do it at the expense of the truth. Or they'll change the truth to be one that to be believed or to be followed. And that's what was happening to this church of Galatia as they were there. And Paul says, listen, you are foolish. 
He said they're foolish as they were being interfered of their faith. And he goes through in these first five verses, and he gives them some open questions. So as he talks about the outside influence, he expresses to them how foolish they were to believe and not obey the truth. Now, I want to remind you as we go, uh, I want to go back just a little bit. Remember the fight for the gospel in chapter 2. What was that over? It was over the truth of the gospel. It was over the fact that the gospel is true and that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life that no man can come to the Father except by Him. And we have this in the fight of chapter 2. He says, stresses the importance of the truth. And now Paul is saying, but you're not obeying that truth because somebody has influenced you. And he begins to ask some questions, as he says in verse number 1, he says, Before whose eyes Jesus Christ hath been evidently set forth, crucified among you. And then he asks in verse number 2, that, or this only would I learn of you. Then he asks this, Received ye the Spirit by the works of the law, or by the hearing of faith? So what he's asking them, he's asking them, how did you come to Christ? How did you come to the truth of the gospel? How did you come to this place in your life, the truth of the gospel? Again, uh, verse 1, how that you obey not the truth before whose eyes Christ, Jesus Christ hath been evidently set forth, crucified among you. He said Jesus Christ was crucified among you. Now what has brought you to the Spirit of God, the works of the law, or the hearing of faith? Which one? The hearing of faith. The hearing of faith. That's the answer to the question. Now, this is kind of, these are somewhat rhetorical questions that Paul's trying to get them to see. But he's saying over here, the works of the law did nothing to save. But the hearing of faith over here, that is what saves. And so he says, is it, is it faith or is it the law? Then he says, are ye so foolish? Now this is, this is kind of the Bible way, and I mean no disrespect here, I mean no unkindness here, but Paul is saying basically, are you stupid? Are ye so foolish? Are you stupid? What is wrong with you? Are you not thinking? What is going on? Are ye so foolish? Having begun in the Spirit, are ye now made perfect by the flesh? Now that's a great question. You see, the Bible tells us that we are sinners. And without Christ, we will die and spend eternity in hell. And, and they knew this. And he's saying, what have you done for yourself? Nothing. He's saying, are ye so foolish? Are you now made perfect by the flesh? No. That was the reason we needed Christ, because we were imperfect, because we were sinners, and we needed that substitutionary death to pay the penalty for our sin, and we received the righteousness of Jesus Christ by faith. And so he's reminding them, he's saying, what, what is wrong with you? Then he goes on. In verse 4 he says, Have ye suffered so many things in vain? 
Now, I think he's talking about the suffering of Christ on the cross. Saying, have you suffered so many things in vain? Did you suffer on the cross? No. If it be yet in vain. Then he says in verse 5, He therefore that ministereth to you the Spirit. Remember the promise of Jesus when He promised to give the Holy Spirit to those that believe. He said, I will send you forth a comforter. He's saying, who, who is it that ministereth to you the Spirit and worketh miracles among you? Doeth He it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? He says again, have you suffered? Is it of the Spirit or what? Was it the Spirit or He that gave you the Spirit? Or was it by the works of the law? Which one? He says, which one? He says, in, uh, again, or by the hearing of faith. He wants to know, was it Christ working in you? Or was it the works of the law? Now here's what Paul is getting at here, is if it were the works of the law, Guess what that means? There's no need of Christ. If the works of the law were enough, there would have been no need for Mary to be born of a virgin. There would have been no need for Christ to be born. There would have been no need for Christ to die on the cross. There would have been no need for him to be buried, for him to raise again the third day. There would have been no need for that if the law worked to redeem man. You see, there is no redemption in the law. Somebody say amen. Thank you. There's no redemption in the law. There's total redemption in Christ. Because Christ saves us. And what Paul is getting at here is he's trying to get them to think for themselves to get out of this entrapment of the interference of their faith so that they can understand the liberty that is in Christ. And listen, this is why it is so, so important that we protect the gospel that we fight for the truth of the gospel. This is why it is important that we fight for the doctrinal truths of God's Word. Because listen, we can be easily swayed. We can be easily swayed away from the truth. Right up until you know the truth. I, don't, I hope you understand that. Now look, everyone in here at some point in time learned that 2 plus 2 equals 4. Right? Everyone learned that? Anybody not learn that? If not, you just did because 2 plus 2 equals 4. Amen. Now, now, if I came in and told you 2 plus 2 equals 5. How many of you are questioning what you learned your entire life? How many of you are questioning me 
and my intelligence. Absolutely. And you should. If somebody came in and said, well, 2 plus 2 equals 5. And I could even come in and say, hey, I, I can show you. If you could show me that, I might be a believer, right? Uh, probably not. Why? Because you know, you know, you know that 2 plus 2 equals 4. Not one person said 5. I have failed today. No, you know. Now that's something simple. That's something we can prove so to speak. But it's simple in what we know. But once you know something, you know something. Now, I know by testimony of myself, there have been times when I have believed a lie. And I would dare say, if we were to take a poll in here this morning, that you at some point in time in your life also have believed lies before. Now, isn't it something when you believe that lie that sometimes we say to ourselves, how could I be so stupid? You ever said that to yourself? How could I be so dumb to believe that? Now, sometimes we blame the person who told us. Why would they tell me that? Why would they treat me that way? But sometimes we do that to be interfered with. Or we, the person telling us that they're interfering with something. And that's what was taking place within this church. And so Paul is trying to get them to the place of what they know. And so sometimes you have to ask yourselves questions. And I think it's very important that we travel in what we know. You know, one of the, one of the biggest liars on this planet? You want to know who it is? Anybody want to know? It's not a politician. And I could tell by his looks on some of your faces, you're just like, yeah, I know. Uh, I know at least one. No, you want to know who is the biggest liar to you in all the world? He's one. Who's the other? You. No, I think that's a lie, is it not? That's, that's a lie. You have to be good to go to heaven. That's what he said. You know, some people believe that. Some people believe that. And those are lies. But listen, there is no bigger liar to you than to you. And I'm talking about when I'm saying you, we don't always just tell ourselves something. But how many of you have feelings? I have feelings. How many of you know your feelings and emotions will lie to you? I had some this morning. I did. I had some emotions going through my head and through my heart, and I was feeling one particular way. And I would, I would tell you I was starting to believe it. I was believing it. I was getting, whoo, I was getting worked up. Then as I was driving, I believe it was the Holy Spirit saying, you're not thinking right, son. 
thought for a moment. I thought, yeah, I'm not, I'm not thinking. So you know what I did? I changed my thinking. And you know what happened when I changed my thinking? My emotions changed. My feelings changed. Now, if my emotions and my feelings could change, and I promise you this was within five minutes, were my feelings and emotions true? No, my feelings and emotions were lying to me. I had to get to the place where I said, Lord, there's literally nothing that I can physically do here. You are going to have to do this. Because I can't. And the moment that I said that, and through prayer and through that, it was as if my emotions in the matter were done. I wish I could tell you and give testimony that I do that every time. I don't. Sometimes my emotions, I believe them. I allow them to stir me up. And sometimes I allow my emotions to stir up to the point of anger. Sometimes I allow my emotions to stir up to the point of sadness. When it doesn't have to. It doesn't have to. If I travel in what I know versus what I feel. The Galatians had been traveling in, in how they felt and what they had heard and they had not obeyed the truth and they were being interfered with. Paul reminds them, was it Christ? Was it faith in Christ? Or was it the works of the law? Which was it? And then he goes in and he gives us, number two, the inspiration of faith. Now, a little Bible trivia here. Let's play for a minute. Okay? Who did God give the law to? Moses. God gave the law to Moses. Now, who came first? Not the chicken or the egg, but who came first, Moses or Abraham? Abraham came first. Okay, so we have Abraham, Moses, faith in Christ. I know I'm skipping a lot of in-betweens, but I want you to follow this timeline. Abraham came first, then Moses, the law, and then Christ and Calvary. Now follow this, because Paul's about to give us a great lesson here, because remember what was taking place. The Galatians church here had been influenced and had been interfered with by those that came in and said, you have to follow the law after you trust Christ. You have to do everything that it says, and you must keep the law if you're going to go to heaven and you're going to be saved. So Paul says this. He says in verse number 6, 
even as Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Hold on a second. Hold on a second. Now remember, of the hundred plus times faith is mentioned in Scripture, the word faith only appears in the, New, in the Old Testament two times. Two times. And so you have this, but yet Paul is saying that Abraham believed God, had faith in God, and it was counted to him for righteousness. You know what Paul is saying? He's saying Abraham was not saved by the law. How do we know that? The law wasn't even there. God came to Abraham and said, Abraham, got a deal for you. You follow me, and I'm going to make you a father of many nations. And I'm going to show you a land where to go. And Abraham, at 70 plus years old, said, really? Okay. He followed God. He followed God. It was his faith to follow God that made him righteous. His faith. Verse 7. Know ye therefore that they which are of faith are the same, or the same are the children of Abraham. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith, notice that, through faith, preached before the gospel unto Abraham saying, In thee shall all nations be blessed. Listen, this was not the Apostle Paul's idea to take the gospel to the Gentiles. It was not Peter's idea to take the gospel to the Gentiles. It was God's idea. Amen. It was God's idea. It was God's idea when he called Abraham that he would save all men. It was his idea. It was a faith. The faith of Abraham. Just like that faith. In thee shall all nations be blessed. So then they, verse 9, which be of faith, are blessed with faithful Abraham. For as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse. For it is written, Cursed is everyone that continueth not in all things which are written in the book of the law, to do them. But that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God. It is evident, for the just shall live by faith. And the law is not of faith, but the man that doeth them shall live in them. Check out verse 13. Christ hath redeemed us and the curse of the law being made a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is every one that hangeth on a tree. That, why? Why? Why did Christ hang on the tree? That the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise 
of the Spirit through faith. You want to know where the inspiration of faith comes from? It's not the law. It started with Abraham. And it's through Christ. Listen. Salvation has always been by faith. Always. People ask, well, we, we understand Jesus died on the cross of Calvary, and so how, how was somebody saved before the cross? By faith. Same way people are saved after the cross. Listen, it's always been by faith, and it has never, it has never been by the law. Never. As we continue reading, we see this. Verse 15, he says, Brethren, I speak after the manner of men. Though it be but a man's covenant, yet if it be confirmed, no man disannulleth or addeth thereto. Now to Abraham and to his seed were the promises made. He saith not to seeds as of many, but as of one. And to thy seed, which is Christ. This I say, that the covenant which was confirmed before of God in Christ, the law, he reminds them, which was 430 years after, <laughs> cannot disannul that it should make the promise of none effect. So here's what he's saying. He's saying, all right. He said, we have this promise that God gave to Abraham that in him all nations shall be blessed. So Abraham is here and Abraham follows by faith and it was counted to him for righteousness. And 430 years later, we come and God gives the children of Israel the law, the schoolmaster, that which revealed unto Israel and even unto us who we are as men and who we are as sinners. But yet God said, it is not to replace it, this over here, the law did not undo the promise that he gave to Abraham. Listen, when God makes a promise, God keeps his promise. Amen. And so he has over here, he says, hey, I've made a promise to Abraham, and the law never did anything to undo it. But over here, when Christ died, Christ died for what God said all the way back here. Really, we know in other passages that Christ was the lamb slain for the foundation of the world. Amen. Amen. The law was good for what the law was and what the law is. It didn't undo the promise. It didn't undo what God said. It didn't take away from what God said over there. Again, the law had its purpose, but man has never been saved by the law. And God wants us to know that. God wants us to do that because a promise is a promise. He said that promise was of none effect. For if the inheritance be of the law, it is no more of promise. But God gave it to Abraham by promise. By promise. Abraham, make you a father of many nations. Follow me. Okay. Okay. I'll follow you. This is the inspiration of our faith. 
This is that inspiration. Some want to interfere with it. Some want to interfere with it. He wants to remind us that our faith is a faith. From faith to faith. We have this inspiration of Abraham. I want you to notice, as Paul closes this out, he deals with the inadequacy of the law. It's not that the law was bad. It's not that the law was of none effect. It's not that God did not lose it. It's simply that the law is inadequate to save man. It doesn't save man. It can't save man. Verse 19, he says, Wherefore then serveth the law? It was added because of transgressions. Till seed should come to whom the promise was made. It was ordained by angels in the hand of a mediator. Uh Uh-oh. Again, what was the purpose of the law? We have other passages that tell us the law was the schoolmaster. The law came and said, This is what you have done. May I remind you that the law had just as much to do with how man was to live with man than it was about how man was to live for God. You think about that. What was the purpose of it? It was to remind us. It was to be that schoolmaster. It was to teach us. Then he says there's a mediator in the hand of a mediator. Verse 20, now a mediator is not a mediator of one, but God is one. Is the law then against the promises of God? God forbid. For if there had been a law giver, which could have given life, verily righteousness should have been by the law. But Scripture hath concluded. Get this very closely, okay? You might want to underline that right there in verse 22. But the Scripture hath concluded. Listen, this is not Pastor Aaron concluding. This is not Bailey Road Baptist Church concluding. This is not, I hope it's our conclusion because it's what the Bible says, but it says the Scripture hath concluded. That means it's done. That means it is finished. That means here it is. But the Scripture hath concluded all under sin that the promise by faith of Jesus Christ might be given to them that believe. The law had its place. The law had its practice. The law has its principles. At the end of the day, it is by faith of Jesus Christ that might be given to them that believe. I like verse 23. But before faith came. Listen. You remember before faith came? You remember before you were saved? It says we were kept under the law. Shut up unto the faith which should afterwards be revealed. Wherefore, the law was our schoolmaster to bring us to Christ. That we might be justified by faith. 
here we are. We've got this promise. Abraham, believe me. I believe you. Faith. The law that comes exposes who we are. How many times have we made ourselves righteous when we really weren't? When we really weren't. How many times, how many times did we come in and say two plus two equals five? If you were like me growing up in school, you got a lot of red X's on your papers. You know what the law does? It puts a red X over us. It says, you're wrong. You know how many times I would get a paper back and I would see, well, I'd like to tell you one red X. And I would say, no, 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 that's the right answer. And I'd stew and get upset. That's the right answer. Then it came time for questions. Oh, I got a question. Teacher, I have the right answer here. You marked this wrong. You're wrong. Aaron, please come to my desk. And, and there were sometimes I was sitting already next to the teacher's desk. <laughs> they liked me that much. Come. This is right. Well, Aaron, let me show you why you're wrong. How many times I had to say, oh, I was wrong. But I thought I was right. How arrogant we are sometimes. The law says, why? To bring us to the place where we can say we're wrong. And by faith, say, I need an eraser. And by faith, say, I can't correct this on my own. By faith, there's a mediator between us who are wrong and God who is always right. And that mediator is the man Christ Jesus. who never did wrong, who never sinned, who paid the penalty for sin's price. He shouldn't have had to. By dying on the cross of Calvary. What's the purpose of the law? It's inadequate to save, but it pushes us to faith. It shows us to faith. We might believe we're sinners. I've met people that believe they've never done anything wrong. You say, Pastor, how could somebody ever believe that? I don't know. But they believe it. I think they believe it because Satan has blinded them to that fact. Interfered with their life. We have an inspiration of faith. 
Verse 25 says, But after that faith has come, we are no longer under a schoolmaster. Verse 26 says, For ye are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Therefore, or there, sorry, is neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither bond nor free. There's neither male nor female. For all are one in Christ. And if ye be Christ's, ye are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Heirs of Jesus. What does it mean to be an heir? It means we have an inheritance. It means we have something coming to us because of our faith. Listen, I remind you about the truth of the gospel. There's only one way to heaven, and that is through the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary. And it wasn't finished until He came up out of that grave, giving power unto His death and power unto His blood that we might have eternal life in Him. The promise was given to Abraham. inadequacy of the law, the inspiration of faith, the interference of our faith. I ask you this morning, what's interfering with your faith? Who, who is it or what is it that you are believing this morning that is interfering with your faith in God? Listen to me. There's nothing that can undo our salvation. There's nothing that can undo our inheritance of eternal life. But I will tell you, just like these Galatians, there's much that can interfere with your faith. What's hindering you this morning? What is it? I don't say this to be unkind, but don't be like a foolish Galatian. Are ye so foolish? Are we so foolish that we would believe a lie that would hinder us in having faith in God? We need to expose it. Whatever the case may be. Every head bowed, every eye closed this morning.